0: Welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. This is Justin.
1: And I'm Josh.
0: Today with us, we have a very special guest, Tony.
1: Hi, my name is Tony Moiko. I'm friends of Justin and Josh, and I guess that qualifies me to be a nerd.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think anyone who's basically associated with us, we kind of consider somewhat nerdy.
1: Yeah, and Tony coached me when I was in
2: sixth grade football, so we've known each other a long, long time.
1: Yes, um, J- Coach Josh, sixth grade, he was a student of mine at the high school, and I coach him at high school too, and I'm just so proud of him, of being a social study teacher and a football coach, so, and next thing I know, he wants to be a Filipino also.
0: <laughs> Trying to get too teared up out there, like Tony is getting right now, and Josh is definitely, you know Josh We know, I'm getting, a
2: romantic kind of guy,
1: He's so. super emotional right emotional.
0: now. I used to work with Tony, and we're just best buds now. Tony used to really intimidate me, though, and scare me, I don't know if you can tell.
1: Hey, I love you. You're my number one bestie.
0: I love you, too. Thanks for joining us. So we're going to jump right into it. And obviously, you know, the first thing we always talk about is what we just nerded out on. So I'll start. I've been watching this show called Mindhunter. Have either of you guys seen it? It's on Netflix.
1: I have not. I have not also, Justin. So please try to uh, encourage me to see it.
0: Well, I'm going to encourage you and everyone listening to see it. The second season just debuted came out October 16th, 2019. The first season came out October 13th, 2017. Basically, it's a series that's kind of based on a true story about two men, two FBI agents that are trying to create a new criminal field and basically like visit the sociopathic mind. So it's based on a 96 book called Mindhunter inside the FBI's elite serial crime unit and was written by former special agent John Douglas and Mark Oakshaker, both writers of the series as well. So you guys, do you guys like those kind of shows that are, like, mysteries, psychological thrillers? Is it a
2: documentary style, or is it actually, like, drama-written stuff? Yeah,
0: no, it's scripted. It actually stars Jonathan Groff as Holden Holt McCallany as Bill Tench. He's he's, uh, he's from Fight Club. And Anna Torv as Dr. Wendy, Wendy Carr. Uh, she's from Fringe. That seems like a show Josh would watch.
1: I think I remember that guy from Fight Club. Love that movie.
0: Yeah, he's the guy that says... When you die, you become Robert Paulson. And he's like, his name is Robert Paulson. Remember that part?
1: That is. I remember that. You sounded just like him.
0: I know. I'm pretty good at doing impersonations. He he
2: wishes he was good at impersonations. Let's be honest here.
0: Well, and Jonathan Groff played Hamilton. Played King George in Hamilton. He's also in Glee.
2: You know what? You can tell you're not a girl dad because he also plays Sven in, uh, I should say, Chris Kristoff
1: in Frozen.
2: In
0: Frozen, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Spend, so. Spends the reindeer. Spends the reindeer,
2: yes.
1: <laughs> I actually saw him at New York um, yeah. playing the king um, in Hamilton, and he stole the show. Um, he was amazing.
0: Well, he's incredible in this show, and, and basically, it's it's kind of about it's it's based on a true story. It is about how the FBI de- developed a, a special unit for you know identifying sociopaths, psychopaths, things like that, serial killers. But some of the names are changed. Some of the storylines are kind of combined. But this last season was about the Atlanta child murders, as well as the BTK killer. It also uh, involved uh, Son of Sam and Charles Manson, just to name a few. And and a lot of these are, like, really accurate depictions of the criminals, if they've been captured or being captured.
2: You know what they need to do? They need to bring Jodie Foster on for season three. Just a throwback, you know. Throwback
0: to Silence of the Lambs? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, anyway, check it out.
2: Mindhunter season two. It's pretty great. Okay, so for me, I have been watching The Last Czars. It's on Netflix. So, I mean, it's a chronicle of basically the Romanov dynasty. Justin, Tony and I are both, both history teachers. Do you know who the Romanovs are?
0: They are a Russian dynasty. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay.
2: So. Is that right? Yes. You've for probably seen Anastasia, the movie, the cartoon movie.
0: I've actually seen the musical. <laughs> okay.
2: <laughs> it's not real. That's not true, just so you know. But.
0: Well, there are hints, I did some research on it, and there there are, there are, in fact, they're not actually sure what happened to Anastasia, but this is a possible
1: podcast.
0: No, no, I was, no, I'm saying that the, the musical Anastasia, that's a possible theory of what actually happened.
1: This is kind of scary, this is really nerdy right now.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's this the This is point. what we do, yes, but it's cool now, Tony, so that's a good thing. All anyway. Right. All right, finish the show. It's about the, the fall of the Romanov dynasty in Russia before the Bolsheviks came to power in 1917. So it's part drama and part documentary, so it's a lot of drama in it, but you have people in the background talking over. It debuted July 3rd, 2019, so just last month. It, the credits executive producer are Ben Gould, and the stars are Robert Jack as Nikki, Susanna Herbert as Alex, and Ben Cartwright as Rasputin, who is one of my just all-time favorite historical people ever. So I, I love talking about Rasputin.
0: He also is Russian.
2: Yes, that's very good. <laughs> You're welcome.
1: He is one of the most interesting historical personality ever. Um, he's got something with his eyes. Uh, when he looks at you, you would do what he wants you to do.
0: So you mo- you've modeled the way you act basically based on Rasputin.
1: That's that's that is very true.
2: Yes. <laughs> All right. Justin's going to get really history, a lot of history lessons today. Well, so. I've already
1: provided you a few as Yes, well, so. that's
2: right. So for me, uh, some thoughts on it. It's, it's very interesting to watch. I like documentaries. I like dramas going up. So kind of putting them both together makes it interesting. And I like learning about the Romanovs in Russia. So I highly recommend you guys check this out.
0: It's on Netflix. I'll check it out.
1: All right. So... About me, what I am nerding out about. That just sounded weird when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not actually Netflix, so I'm going to switch. Um, once in a while, I do read books. And during the summer, i um, sitting down a beach in Florida. Um, actually, uh, do, you got, uh, do you know uh, Kevin Kelly, uh, Justin? Yes. Yes, so he coached with me, and he told me, read this book with other words that I cannot say right now. So I did, and the book's called My First Coach. And the summary of the book is about different NFL players talking about their father as their first coach and their experience with them. Um, some of the NFL players in the book: Jim Harbaugh, Eli Manning, John Elway, Joe Montana. Um, and it was written by Gary Myers. So as a father of two boys, And as a football coach, um, I found it very interesting. And it just gives you a really true perspective of what is very important in life. Um, For example, um, one of the best part of the book was telling about the power of just playing catch. Um, You know, you could be so busy in your life, but you just spend five minutes of playing catch with your boys or your daughter. um, That will make an impact on their life. Josh, are you, do you want to add I'm, I'm just getting here? close
2: to crying right now, so you guys you guys know out there that I cry a lot about my daughter. I was crying this morning when I was holding her, and she said, I'm never really going to leave you, Daddy, so yes. Justin, I feel like you need to have a kid, so we're all on the same playing field. I, Jana, I, I hope you're listening. I had a very so.
0: similar situation with my cat this morning <laughs> when I was holding him, and I, and I was petting him, and I said, look at you, you little gargoyle. Hopefully, you never leave me. Actually, he said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, basically basically the same, <laughs> same thing. thing.
1: Should I be in this room right now?
0: <laughs> All right, everyone. So what we're going to talk about today, kind of transitioning to the whole meat and potatoes of the podcast, we're going to talk about and go full nerd on, since we have three teachers here, we thought, why not discuss teachers in media?
2: Yeah, I'm excited for today. So we've got some honorable mentions to start out with. Firstly, Walter White. In Breaking Bad, which I don't know if you guys have seen, but last week they dropped a new trailer for the Breaking Bad movie.
0: Yeah, apparently they filmed it already and didn't tell anyone. They're basically like, oh, by the way, the movie's coming out.
1: I did see that. I'm very excited.
0: Yeah, it's, it's
2: great. And then we've got Edna Crabapple from The Simpsons.
1: What about Mr. Feeney from Boys, Boy Meets World and Miss Bliss from my favorite Saturday morning show when I was growing up, Saved by the Bell? Do you know
0: what that show was, supposed to, was originally called? What, Justin? Miss Bliss.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I learned something today.
0: Well, hopefully you'll learn a few more things, but that's that's a new one, or the first one. we have got Mr. Garvey from Key & Peele. Classic. You guys know A.A. Ron? Yes. Timothy. Will Schuster from Glee.
2: You've got Mr. Garrison from South Park. Miss Crabtree from The Little Rascals.
1: Mr. Cotter from Welcome Back, Cotter. And... Dr. Cox from Shrubs, one of the most sarcastic teacher that sometimes I try to model myself to.
0: That may be one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. I was just watching that the other day. And actually, what's funny is that we put those next to each other because there's an episode where Dr. Cox comes back and he's got a shirt on that says, uh, Welcome back, Dr. Coxer. It's supposed to be like, no, <laughs> "Nice, Mr. Yeah. Cotter. Anyway, you got it.
1: I, I, I think <laughs> I got it.
0: Uh, Jessica Day from New Girl, another great sitcom. Mr. Collins from The Wonder
2: Years. Yeah, and then my all-time favorite couple here, Tammy Taylor and Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights, as well as Colonel Sanders and Waterboy.
1: How about two from Save by the Bell? Mr. Belding, the best principal of all time, and Mr. Tuttle.
2: You guys remember Mr. Tuttle, the uh, choir teacher? Yeah. Very funny. Yes. (laughs) And then we have Coach Billy Baker from All-American.
0: Let's not forget about Hayden Fox from Coach. Did you want to say something there, Tony? Um,
1: you guys watch All-American? I have not watched it yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my son and my wife got me watching it. It's very – it's kind of like 90210, if you guys remember that, but with a football, 90210. Oh, so okay. I recommend it.
0: Is there like a place they go
2: all go eat, like the Peach Pit?
1: Uh, no, they don't, but uh, – <laughs> They should add that in. I hope they do.
2: All right, so let's uh, let's get into what we are going to full nerd on here. We'll start with uh, Justin here.
0: Yeah, so you probably didn't. There's a few major ones that we didn't cover, and there's also a lot we didn't mention, but those are some of the ones I know us growing up really, really enjoyed. I've chosen to go with Robin Williams from Dead Poets Society. Have you guys seen that movie?
1: I have seen it. It's been a while, but I have seen it. I have seen it maybe a handful of times. Um, it always makes me cry every time I see it, especially with uh, Mr. Williams no longer being with us.
0: Yeah, and that's probably a reason why I don't watch it as much as I'd like to, just because, I mean, it really is an emotional film, especially being a teacher. So something about uh, real quick about uh, the, the movie itself. It's set in 1959 at the fictional elite conservative Vermont boarding school, Wilton Academy. basically tells the story of an English teacher who inspires the students through his teaching of poetry.
2: Yeah, and it came out June 9th, 1989, which happens to be 20 days before I was born, so this movie is older than me. Here, and it was directed by Peter Weir, who directed Witness with Harrison Ford and The Truman Show with Jim Carrey.
1: It's written by Tom Schulman, who also wrote What About Bob, one of my favorite movies of all time, and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids.
0: Yeah, and it was, as we already mentioned, it stars Robin Williams as John Keating, Robert Sean Leonard as Neil Perry. He's from House and Swing Kids.
2: Ethan Hawke as Todd Anderson. And Ethan Hawke's been in so many things, but Training Day and Reality Bites. And then Josh Charles as Knox Overstreet with SWAT, Kimmy Schmidt, and four brothers.
0: Is that not the most, like, rich person name you've ever heard in your entire life? Knox
1: Overstreet. It is. (laughs) And Kurtwood Smith as Mr. Perry. Um, He was at the 70s show and RoboCop.
2: I love Kurt smith I do as
1: well. He was in 24, Season 7. Also. Oh, okay. He's
2: a senator. Oh, yeah.
0: That's right. Let's tell you a little bit about some nerd facts about Dead Poets Society, and there are a lot. First of all, the studio considered turning Dead Poets Society into a musical, which...
2: Justin would have been on that, like, <laughs> white on rice. would yes.
0: I would have loved that. I'm, I'm hoping that they maybe still do, maybe like a remake. They even had a title, and it was called The Sultans of Strut.
2: Okay. In the movie is faithful to Shulman's screenplay, except for one scene, in which the boys discover that Mister Keating—this is spoiler alert. Okay, has Hodgkin's disease. It was intended to show the audience why Keating is so intent on seizing the day, but Weir thought the movie was stronger without it.
0: It's not really a spoiler alert; it
1: didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> now you guys know who Jeff Canoe is. Yes. Who is he, Justin? He he was involved with.
0: Revenge of the Nerds.
1: He was the director of the Revenge of the Nerds. So originally they were planning of him of being the director of this movie. So uh, And his plan was to have Liam Neeson to play Keaton instead of Robin Williams. Now, how would that change the entire movie?
0: I don't know if I can. I mean, I think that time Liam Neeson was in like Darkman. Like yeah. I, I don't think of him as like a teacher. He played
2: Jean Valjean a few years later, and yeah, like uh, I don't see Liam Neeson, especially now with our modern thought of him as just like this guy that runs around and kills people with his skills.
0: I guess if it's I think, to see. Well, oh, definitely, his, the Liam Neeson we know now could not be a teacher. I guess he maybe could, but you know, that's around. I guess that's a few years before Schindler's List. He kind of has a like that authoritative figure thing going for him. I, it's still not the same. He's, he's Robin Williams is more fun and engaging. Yeah,
1: I just <laughs> cannot picture it. I just cannot.
2: Neither can I. You know, it's kind of like Will Smith being the genie. Like, that's kind of impossible for me to picture as well, which, you know, I'll get off my tangent. But, you know.
1: Don't be hating Big Willie style, Josh. Come on now. I'm getting jiggy with it.
0: I just watched that remake last week. and so
2: You shouldn't see these movies.
0: So if there's anything we can definitely basically mark off as far as what's going to happen in a podcast, it's going to be Josh is going to cry about his wife and his daughter at some point. And then he's going to somehow work in that he's younger than everyone. And then lastly, he's going to talk about his hatred for remakes.
2: Especially Disney remakes. So, yeah. yeah that's, and then Justin's going to make fun of me. Yeah. And nobody's going to give Justin a shout-out because he's not very popular. So
0: so it's really funny. Is At some point, I've got some examples of movies that you actually claim to like that are, in fact, remakes.
2: It's mainly the Disney remakes. Okay. Remaking my childhood. All Stop. Right. Stop Disney.
1: <laughs> Again, do I need to be in this room right now?
0: You don't, you don't, no. but we're glad you're here, though. All right, let's move on. A little bit more about this film. First of all, it was going to be shot in Georgia, but the director actually wanted to have more of a feel of like an actual New England prep school, and since snow is expensive, they actually filmed in Delaware where snow
2: is free. That definitely, yeah, you think of like New England prep school, I think like people in the snow, so that was a good call by then. Like, like Harvard and yeah. Princeton, mm-hmm. and places like that. And then to help his young leads bond, director, the director, Peter Weir, He made them all room together, which could be good, could be bad. I probably would have hated it, but, you know,
1: whatever. You guys remember when uh, Professor Keating showed the boys his old senior photo in the yearbook? Yeah. That was actually um, Robin Williams' photo of his senior year at high school where he went to Redwood High School in California, which is just north of San Francisco.
0: I like when they do that. I like when they really – throw in pictures of of real people you know family parents things like that
1: you should see my senior picture
0: yeah i i I think i've seen it don't you have like a you have a real like fade flat top going on thing going on right
1: yeah talking about will smith and fresh french that's how i look like yeah you're welcome
2: (laughs) all right i think we'll put that on the uh, nerd is a new cool instagram and twitter account if we can find it that's going
0: live yeah shortly after this debuts Peter Weir actually decided, and this is is kind of a fun little filming fact, most films are not necessarily filmed chronologically. They're filmed based on sets and based on actors' availability, you know, essentially timing. This was actually filmed chronologically so that you can kind of really, the director could really capture the the development of the relationships between the the boys and then also Mr. Keating or, or Robin Williams.
1: Upon the death of Robin Williams in 2014, a lot of the media outlet um, kind of paid tribute with him with his most famous line of the movie, Oh, Captain, My Captain.
0: Yeah, and that's got to be one of the most well-known movie quotes or even just sayings.
2: Family Guy has a great Oh, Captain, My Captain episode when Brian is a teacher. Yeah. It is. It's pretty funny. (laughs) I won't get into it right now,
0: but... I'm sure it's amazing. Yes. So, more about Williams, this shouldn't surprise anyone, but about 15% of his dialogue that's used in the film was improvised. That's kind of what he does, or did.
1: Yes, I remember, I mean, this is probably, you weren't born yet, Josh, but Mark and Mindy, which is a. Happy Days. Yeah, Happy Days, too. Like, you see it on, like, old time TV shows, and a lot of what he did at that time was improvised. And he still did it late in his career.
2: Yeah, like Mork and Mindy. Yeah. 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 So then the movie's line and Carpe Diem, seize the day, boys, make your lives extraordinary, was voted as a number 95 movie quote by the AFI out of 100. It comes from Horace, who was in 65 BC to 8 BC. I always think of a teacher that we all know. Well, Justin, I don't know. Maybe you should. Miss Caldwell. Every day I would leave Miss Caldwell's class, she had... Carpe diem, was what she would say to us. I coached golf
0: with her for 10 years. Okay. Well, there
1: you go. I actually just did a classroom activity um, recently, um, first week of school, where I took my class to show them old homecoming queen's pictures. And I told them, listen so closely. And one of those pictures was Miss Colwell. And I told them, can you hear what she's saying? And I said, carpe that day
0: That's pretty amazing. Isn't your wife on the wall too?
1: Yes, I married a homecoming queen.
2: Well done. And so is my little brother happens to be on the wall too, the homecoming king. I am not on the wall. I didn't go to homecoming my senior year. So, nerd, my wife <laughs> yeah. my my wife was
0: my wife was also a homecoming queen. Were you a homecoming king? We didn't do homecoming kings.
2: Oh, was that, was that so. Yeah.
1: I think that was just an excuse.
0: No, it's true. It's true. Move on.
1: (laughs) Tom Shulman's script was partly based on his own experience in high school in Montgomery Bell Academy, which is an all-boys prep school in Nashville, Tennessee. His professor's name was Samuel F. Peckring Jr.
0: So there are a lot of different characters or actors that were planned to play characters in this film. In this, right? I mean, so Josh, tell us about it one. Because yes, one of
2: them was John Keating was supposed to be Dustin Hoffman. The film was also going to be Hoffman's directorial debut before he withdrew from the film.
1: Speaking of what about Bob? What about Bill Murray? What's considered as to be the main character?
2: Wow, that would, I think that would
1: probably work.
0: I think that would have worked. Here's one that wouldn't have worked Mel Gibson was actually slated to play John Keating.
2: Yeah. Can I mean, believe that? In 1989, he was still. Way too old to be a high school-looking student there.
0: Yeah, it, yeah. He actually, he demanded too much money and was turned down.
2: Cool. Yeah. We also had River Phoenix wanted to play Neil Perry, but that went instead to Robert Sean Leonard.
1: Although the film never cracked the number one spot at the box office, it still grossed about $95.5 million, over $235 million worldwide, which is pretty good.
0: Yeah, and it was the 10th largest grossing film of the year in the U.S. box office and the fifth highest overseas. And it actually surpassed two other Disney blockbusters, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And I can't believe this, just based on how much animated films make nowadays, The Little Mermaid.
2: Yeah, and it was the first Touchstone Pictures released to receive a Best Picture Academy Award nomination.
1: Now, in 1991, in a David Letterman show, Late Night with David Letterman, Lara Flynn Boyne was told the day of the film premiere that she was edited out of the movie. (laughs) Ouch. And should not attend the premiere.
0: That's pretty great. So we already kind of mentioned where it was filmed, but we should also say that there were a lot of actual, like the Glasgow High School Band, is seen in the pepper alley, and they were students from the local Delaware school where it was filmed.
2: Yeah, which is pretty cool. You know what? They filmed the movie at Afton. They didn't use, did not use. they use any of our kids when I was at Afton? I don't remember. I wasn't in the movie. Yeah, it was, but it was up called, in
0: the air. Called Up in the Air, and there were kids. In fact, there's a few former students of mine that were in, like, they were the, the basketball players. They were shooting in the background.
1: And there's a special spot there for George Clooney leading to the weight room. Um, watch the film, and you'll know what I'm talking about
0: yeah cool well so anything else you guys want to add or or just lasting thoughts about dead poet society
2: yeah i think it's a great movie i think a lot of people look at it as that's the kind of teacher that i want to have it is kind of the stereotypical like hey this guy's gonna inspire this is what we're gonna do but that's kind of who i aspire to be let's make the kids interested not to not to turn this into an education podcast
1: because i don't want to talk about that at all um I thought that the teacher totally had the boys engage throughout the movie through his lesson, and as you can see, it was like kind of like an old-fashioned teaching method with books and taking them to places to learn. And with all our technology um, today, it still it still teaches you to go back to those methods.
0: Yeah, and there's so many amazing teaching strategies used just from that perspective. And like like Josh said, like the inspiration process is amazing. And it is a little bit about fighting the power, but obviously try and do it within within reason.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh let's move on. Speaking of fighting the power, the movie that I picked was Here Comes the Boom with Kevin James. Anybody seen it out there? I have seen it, yeah. Recently.
1: I think I seen like little bit parts of it, but not the entire movie.
2: Okay, so Here Comes the Boom is a story about a high school biology teacher who looks to become a successful MMA fighter because he wants to raise money for the music program that is kind of going defunct. You know, I've been approached, I think, a few times about becoming an MMA fighter. I see a lot of incredulous looks out there. You guys don't believe me? I
0: believe that you've thought about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) Well, this uh, film was directed by, you guys know, Frank Carassi? The director of one of my funniest movies ever, The Water Boy*, and The Wedding Singer. It was released October 12, 2012.
0: And it was written by Alan Loeb, who also wrote The Space Between and Collateral Beauty, as well as co-written with Kevin James.
2: Yeah, who's also the main star, because Kevin James plays Scott Voss, Salma Hayek as Bella Flores, Selma Hayek is in kind of all these movies with these guys, with, you know, like Adam Sandler, Kevin James. He's kind of part of their pack, I think. She's in a lot of their movies. Grown-ups is what I'm really thinking of. But mm-hmm. And then one of my all-time favorite actors, Henry Winkler as Marty Streb.
1: And Joe Rogan as himself, Greg German as Principal Batcher. A
2: lot of good nerd
0: facts and behind-the-scenes stuff for Here Comes the Boom. First off, Kevin James, he... Worked out 14 months before filming and actually lost about 70 to 80 pounds, which is crazy. And it definitely shows in the film.
2: Yeah, definitely. So Nico, who is kind of like his inspiration in the movie, Scott Voss's inspiration in the movie, and his, he's played by Bass Rutan, he gives a story about why he's unable to fight and because he got hurt. And that's really – it's based on Bass Rutan's real, real-life experience because after he began his career in the UFC, he blew out his knee – and then he had to retire. So that, that story that he tells in the movie is a lot of truth in it. Let me just throw
0: in something about Nico real quick. He also, so the, 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 the actual person, has a Boz Rudin? Mm-hmm. So he is well known for basically liver punches, and he gets called out by that at some point by Scott, he calls it a liver shot at one point. So anyway, anyway a little bit more about Nico and, and Boz Rudin.
1: Like I said before, I didn't really watch the full movie, but I did see the part with the most famous quote, I didn't tap. Um, that was not originally part of the movie, but Kevin James put it in, and it, he liked it so much that he gave himself $200 bonus for that quote.
0: Well-deserved.
2: Definitely, yes. So the, the car the characters... Ride-in during the movie is the same car Kevin James drove in the early seasons of A Great Show, The King of
1: Queens. You guys King of Queens fans? Yes. A little bit. So uh, I'm more guys, of a Kevin James fan. I am a Kevin James fan, too. So the last fight of the movie said to take place on UFC 176. And actually, uh, UFC 176 was canceled. Um, I don't know if you guys knew that. Because one of the main fighter was injured, and that fight never occurred.
0: Yeah, and actually the background in both fighters' locker rooms shows UFC 178 when it didn't happen.
2: Yeah. So then earlier on in the movie, Scott Voss is teaching his class, and he puts a newspaper over his head. Sadly, it says that a hockey season has been suspended, and when this movie was released in 2012, unfortunately, there was actually a hockey lockout for that season.
1: In season three episode of King of Queens in 1998, uh, Doug Hefferman is trying to get into his car in which he locked his keys. A van pulled up and an actor named Mookie Barker in the side of his van. It said Scott Voss Flaxman. Should
0: say that Kevin James, Gary Valentine, Boz Rutten, and Joe Rogan all star together in The Zookeeper.
2: I haven't seen that one. I've not seen The Zookeeper. And then during the music class at the beginning of the movie... One actor's face was accidentally digitally blurred out in several wide shots.
1: In Scott's second MMA uh, fight, the opponent he fought is famed MMA trainer Rafael Cordero. You guys know who he is? I do not. Cordero came into a training fighter such as Anderson Silva, Shogun Rua, and Wanderlei Silva from a legendary shootbox camp in Brazil. He was since moved to Orange County, California, and he started his own MMA Academy. I do know Anderson Silva.
2: Yeah, I do too. You
1: guys got any extra
2: thoughts on this movie?
0: Well, really, I just, what what about this is, makes it your favorite?
2: I just, A, I think it's hilarious. I find that very funny. But B, also the fact that you have teachers who are trying to help the school out, help raise money, doing things. Because I feel like a lot of teachers do that. We we go above and beyond for the most part, and he's trying to inspire his kids, and I feel like that is my main job, inspire my kids to learn, not to get sappy. But students out there listening, you mentioned this, maybe you get some points.
0: Yikes. That's one way to
2: inspire it. <laughs> I
0: will also say what I liked about it, you're right, teachers do go above and beyond in many instances. But I've read a lot of articles recently. There are schools across the nation canceling sports and cl- canceling activities and clubs because of funding. This is a very extreme way to earn that money, but it, there is some. it is based somewhat in reality. Not becoming an MA fighter, but the fact that you've got to find ways to basically keep your sport or club open.
1: And as a teacher and as a coach, you, know, you always have to find ways to raise money because there is never enough. So um, this is a creative way to do it. Um, but in real life, we as teacher always think of creative ways to raise money, like fifty-fifty, find a face, dunking boot, um, whatever we can do to keep our programs going.
0: Yeah. All right. So our last film, Tony.
1: Okay. Mine is my favorite film of all time. This is kind of like a teacher coach movie. It's remember the Titans staring Denzel Washington. Um, I bet you everyone, almost everyone, seen this movie. The summer is based on a true-life story of Coach Herman Boone, who tried to integrate a racially divided football team and school in Alexandria, Virginia in 1971. It debuted September 23, 2000.
2: Let me just cut in right there because okay, <laughs> when this movie debuted on that day, Coach Moiko and, and a young 6th grade Josh Boyd, we're seeing this movie together because coach Moiko took his whole team to see the movie which was pretty cool
0: and then did you guys go running in the in the woods at in the bright early in the morning listen to the the voices
1: uh not quite but it did inspire me as a coach um when we do conditioning with a football team um to run with them and i usually run them at what is called the administration office um in Afton school district around the park and let and go back to the team and it's, it also keeps me in shape too
0: I've, I've run that with you a few times.
2: I had to run that when I was in high school. I don't run anymore but
0: <laughs> So it was directed by Boaz Yakin. <laughs> I probably butchered that name big time, but that's how it looks. so I just sounded it out phonetically, who also directed Max, which is a dog movie in 2015. I'm sure. Josh has I, not seen that. I don't that. see
2: dog movies. You know my <laughs> policy. Don't see them.
0: It was written by the same writer as Ali, Gregory Allen Howard.
2: I have seen Ali. It's a pretty good movie. Will Smith. Kind of all these Will Smith callbacks in this today.
0: It all, you know, everyone does the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. It should be seven degrees of Will Smith at this De- point.
2: Definitely. And then Jerry Bruckheimer and Chad Oman were also executive producers of the show.
1: Stars of the movie. Remember, uh, I already mentioned Denzel Washington. How can you go wrong with him? He is Coach Herman Boone. Coach a- Boone. That's how you got to say it. Coach Boone. Coach Boone. And Will Patton, who is Coach Will Yost. It also stars Ryan Hurst
0: as Jerry Bertier, who's from Sons of Anarchy, Walking Dead, a few other things. Gary. Gary oh, I say Bertier. Oh, Gary. Oh, yeah. Gary. Well,
2: you're Not right. Jerry Lewis.
0: It is definitely Gary okay. Bertier. Donald Faison. I definitely said that right, as Petey Jones.
2: And he's from Scrubs, and, of course, he's from Clueless. Mm-hmm. And then Hayden Panettiere as Cheryl Yost. She was in Heroes as well as Nashville. And then Ryan Gosling as Alan Bosley. So whenever all these girls talk to me about how dreamy and stuff is, Ryan Gosling is, I said, yeah, but he can't play cornerback to save his life, and he almost cost him the state
1: title. But so he did
0: give up his, his position.
1: He did, yes. What a team player. What a team player. Um, some of the characters in the movie were actually made up. For example, we we're just talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Ryan Gosling's character, Alan Busley. Um it was made up. It's not real. And you guys remember the character Ray Buds? Very unforgettable character. Yeah, jerk, very selfish. Did not block for the QB, mm-hmm. okay? And uh Captain Jerry uh Ger- Jerry Bertier is um told him, Gary Vertier told him that, uh, hey, you're cut from the team.
0: T.C. Williams High School was actually integrated years before the football team won the championship in 1971. So we're going to find – we're going to go through some of these facts, these nerd facts, and there are a lot of things that Disney may have exaggerated upon to make it a little more dramatic – for example, again, the integration. It already happened, so by the time they won, that wasn't necessarily what they were fighting for, but I'm I'm, I'm sure it was still a gigantic issue.
1: Good morning, good morning. Remember that line when Coach Boone woke up the entire team, and co- including the coaches, 3 a.m., to take a run to the Gettysburg Cemetery? Love that scene. Mm-hmm. Did not happen. Mm. The famous speech that fired my heart. <laughs> did not happen. But the team did take a tour of the Gettysburg Cemetery, and the tour guide did give them some inspiration about some quotes about Gettysburg, but never from Coach Boone.
2: Mm. Justin, Gettysburg is a battle in the American Civil War, in case you didn't know that. okay. Civil so... War.
0: I've heard of the Gettysburg Address. Did that happen there?
2: <laughs> that happened a little bit later,
0: but oh, yes. Okay.
2: Later, so, I thought it happened earlier. The Gettysburg Address happened after the Battle of Gettysburg. Good. That a was that was
0: that was a, that was, a I was trying to catch you there. Yeah.
2: Spoiler alert: Lincoln he dies. <laughs> yeah. Just put that out there. Okay. Now we're so,
0: on we're on fire today. This, I know going to be a, a really funny one or terrible. <laughs> Either
2: way. So we just talked about Gary Bertier. him and Julius Campbell in the film are like best friends forever, but in the show or in real life, I should say they weren't. They were friends. But they were not best friends. There were plenty of other friends on the team.
1: You mean they weren't strong side? Left side. Strong side. Left side. Did they do that? No. Damn.
0: (laughs) Ronnie Bass, also known as Sunshine, maybe my favorite character. He actually didn't really kiss Gary Bertier on the lips. He was known as the player on the Titans who had the long hair, but... While that may have been true, there were a lot of other players on the team. In fact, Gary Bertier also had long hair. Nice.
2: Coach Boone did not really toss a banana to the opposing coach. In fact, that opposing coach is made up as a character. So, yeah,
0: kind of sad. I I feel like the film just creates a lot of examples of just antagonistic people and situations that aren't really, I don't know, it, it really took some liberties and exaggerated but
1: it made a good movie, though. Oh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So, I'm not uh, saying it's
0: not a, bad, not a good movie. It's fantastic. So
1: how do you guys think, uh, how did they, the movie, the film, the director, how, how, what did you see of Coach Boone as far as how he dealt with the team? Tough.
2: Tough. Very tough.
1: Well, in real life, he was tough, but he used a lot of sense of humor, too, um, to get his message across.
2: A little Sounds bit more... like a guy I used to coach with and coach under was Mr. Oliver. He was the same way, very tough, but he could be funny, and he'd tell the same joke over and over and over again. I think
1: that's why he retired, because he ran out of jokes.
2: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's listening to this, right? Yeah, he probably does not know how to do a podcast.
1: <laughs> does he know what a podcast is?
0: Oh, I hope he does. I hope he calls you, both of you. Another example of, of just kind of again making up some, some issues of conflict. Cheryl Yost is actually not an only child. In fact, she had three sisters. Cheryl also lived with her mother. And, you know, basically, Bill Yost, the, the real character, the real person, wasn't a fan of the decision. He, and he said, I have four da- daughters. I don't like to look like I only have one daughter.
2: I think the big thing with that, though, was she had died in real life in like 1996 so her sisters were like for sure you can make it about her because she's dead is one of the main reasons they did that so gary bertier we've talked a lot about gary he was a nationally ranked defensive player and the first all-american football player in the history of alexandria virginia he completed his senior year and he was on the team all-region all-state and all-american honors he was going to possibly play for notre dame and alabama
1: you guys remember the last game of the film?
2: I, I think. Did they, they win? <laughs> Barely.
1: Barely. was close. But the reality, again, the team was a complete good team, a dominant team. Um, they had 13 victories. Where 13 of them were shutouts. Um, they outscored their opponent 338 to 38. That's a damn good team. I wish I had a team like that.
2: Agreed, yes.
0: Yeah, what's funny is that T.C. Williams was actually not the only high school that was integrated in the conference uh, by 1971. In fact, every other school the Titans faced were also integrated. So that's kind of a little bit, you know, again, they did a lot of this. They're trying to really make a very powerful point in a powerful movie, but it did embellish the truth a little bit.
2: Which, I mean, that's Hollywood. They do that a lot. True. So the object that flew through Coach Boone's window, it was a brick in the movie, in real life, it was a toilet commode. And Herman says, I still remember that incident, the real Herman Boone. Um, but he said, I've never gotten over that incident that particular night. He said, I could never understand how anybody could feel so bad about another human being as to throw a toilet commode through a window.
1: Um, the scene of uh, Gary Berthier being paralyzed because of a car crash. That is true and not true because that really happened after the championship game. So again, another dramatic effect of the movie of that last game of winning it for the, our captain.
0: Yeah, for sure. And actually, a little bit more about that. He was coming home from high school's their high school's football banquet where he was honored with the MVP award. It was just six blocks away from his house. He lost control of his mother's new Camaro which is how we get injured, and actually was later determined a mechanical failure in the motor mount of the Camaro's engine caused the
2: accident. Yeah, and then in the movie, a big big story of the movie is Coach Yost not getting in the Hall of Fame, and it's true that he was not selected because he was certainly more than deserving and a long track record of success, and his players loved him. However, the problem was that there was no real Virginia High School Hall of Fame for coaches when it when this time period happened. So had there been one, he probably would have been in it. But again, he was not in it because there was no real call hall of fame.
0: Similar to like Tony would be in the Afton teachers hall of fame, but unfortunately it doesn't exist.
1: I can make it exist. Right. (laughs) So uh, this movie openly grows 20.905 million in the U S which stopped one of the worst month of a movie ever in U.S., which in September 2000. Yeah, so, which, I mean,
0: that kind of really saved the industry that month, right? That was pretty big.
1: Yes. So, um, also, uh, a lot of football coaches, and you know this, Josh, um, you don't do it and I don't do it. They use a lot of bad, foul languages, <laughs> So originally, this uh, movie used a lot of bad and foul languages, but since it's a Disney movie, they told the director, we need to cut this off and cut it out, and that's what they did, yeah. um, You know, which gives an example that you don't have to use foul languages to get your message across. So every time, actually, I have to, and Josh knows this, every time I have to say the S word, I use a Greek word to it that's... I call it caca. Remember that it's called caca.
2: Uh, I don't curse either on the football field. So Will Smith don't curse
0: either to sell his records.
2: <laughs> That's right. Eminem, M&M seventh degree <laughs> is of Will Smith.
0: So one thing I have talked a lot about things that were embellished. One thing that was not embellished were, was the fact that Boone did in fact integrate the buses before they left for football camp, and he said, "quote." I forced them on each other. I forced them to learn each other's culture. I forced them to be a part of each other's lives, which is a really awesome thing that he did, especially just to bring the team together, regardless of what's going on in their own personal lives.
2: Yeah, I think while a lot of the movie was embellished, I don't think we can look past all the racism issues, especially in Virginia that were going on. So that's a really powerful thing for him to have done. Yeah. And then Boaz Yakin was hired to direct the movie, but he didn't know anything about American football, which we all know is the real football. So he then arranged for Yakin to attend a football camp where he learned enough information to be able to get back to directing the film. So he had to go to, like, football boot camp, if you will.
0: Probably a pretty good move, and I think it worked out. So just real quick, what are, what are our thoughts? Do you want any more, like, why this is our – I mean, this is one of my favorite teacher movies, football mm-hmm. movies, whatever you want to call it, Denzel Washington movies.
2: Yeah, I mean, all those things. I love Denzel. I used to watch this movie every year before 2 days we actually watched this movie in my sociology classes for a test. So I love this movie. Just the thought of how football brings people together I think is really true. I met my best friend who, Carl, another shout-out. Carl, you got a shout-out last time and this time. And we would have never got together unless it was for football. So it's just really cool movie. And now as a coach, I kind of strive to be like that.
0: You know, honestly, and despite all of the examples I gave of it not being super accurate, doesn't matter the message message is very clear and that's what i love the most about it. it's about cooperation it's about teamwork it's about ignoring discrimination and, and all those kind of things and that's what makes it so powerful
1: it's like the circle of life josh or another remake lion king but i mean it, it's just so ironic that i'm talking about this movie and you're here and little sixth grader josh boyd you know i took his team to watch this movie and now us. uh as a responsible responsible adult you're sitting here next to me and we're still talking about this movie and I said like this is one of my favorite movie of all time every time it's out I stop no matter what I'm doing I stop and watch it and my boys that's the same too and one time we were in vacation in Chicago actually for a weekend and it was on the hotel and my wife's so mad at me that i spent two hours we were on vacation to watch a movie that i seen 100 times again as a uh, football coach and as a history teacher i mean i love this movie it's one of the best movie of all time um again like josh said you know football um it can bring everyone together and i met many many friends both players and coaches and players that still come back into my life like Josh um, because of this sport.
0: Well, that about wraps it up, I think. I think you can't really top that speech. Thank you, Tony. That is very true.
1: Yeah, so let's get
2: to our nerd outreach here, Justin.
0: Yeah, well, just to keep on going with what I was saying, first of all, thank you to everyone, all the fans who tune in every couple weeks when we drop a new episode. All the feedback we've gotten is amazing. Keep it up. We love the suggestions. We love the – the, uh, the the ratings and the likes and things like that and all the socials. So we really appreciate it. Want to thank again Tony Moiko for joining us today.
1: For sure. Thank you, Tony, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Am I officially a nerd now? Yes. Damn it.
0: Welcome to the club. <laughs> Anybody else want to say some thank yous? Josh? I mean,
2: obviously, we know. I have to thank my wife and daughter for allowing me to be up here today. So I love you guys.
1: I want to thank Tony Moika once again for being here.
0: Yeah, can't say enough about
2: that guy. So, if you have future show suggestions, please send them into nerdisnewcoolpodcast at podcast at gmail.com or hit us up on any of the socials at nerd or hashtag nerdisnewcoolpodcast.
0: Don't forget, if you want to contact us, don't uh, you can like or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at nerd is the new cool podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at nerd is the new c o two. You can also listen to us on pretty much everywhere: um, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts and soundcloud just search nerd is the new cool
2: podcast yeah guys thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time all righty thanks a lot bye-bye